brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. What's up, NBA fans? Welcome back to another episode of Full Court Press. I'm your host, Nick Smith. I'm flying solo here for a little bit, but Joel will be joining me a little bit later. Uh, we got some breaking news in for you guys. So according to Mark Stein, the Cavs, Nuggets, and Pacers are currently discussing a trade uh, that would send Kevin Love to Denver, Paul George, and maybe even Kenneth Fareed to Cleveland. Um, this is probably the trade that I would suspect makes the most sense. I mean, you've got a team like Denver who's just been knocking on the door of the playoffs for the past couple of years, but, you know, haven't, haven't quite been able to get in. They have a ton of young assets. They have some good quality um, role players uh, who, you know, just need, you know, kind of a leader and Kevin Love, I think could be that uh, you got a up and coming all-star in Jokic, and it's just a perfect team for it. They're also in in talks uh, with Phoenix for Bledsoe. So if they could pull both of those trades off and get Kevin Love and Bledsoe, I mean, they could move a lot of pieces around. They have Moutier. They have Jamal Murray. Um, they uh, just picked up um, uh, the, the – the, the, Oh, what's his name? The the um, small forward, power forward combo guy. Um, his name escapes me at the moment. Um, they just picked up Wiles uh, in in the trade uh, with with Utah. So I mean, it's uh, they have the assets. They don't have a lot in draft picks, but they have a lot in young talent that I could understand Indiana being interested in. Um, and if, if you were to pair up Bledsoe, Gary Harris. Wilson Chandler, Love, and Jokic. I mean, that's easily a playoff team. And, you know, the way the teams shake out in the West, it could be, you know, a, a you know middle of the road, not just a late seed playoff team. It could be like even a four seed that may even be able to get home court advantage. So, I mean, this trade I think has a lot of 
potential to it. It's the kind of the first one that I've seen that I feel like has a lot of potential to it um, involving uh, Paul George. Um, I didn't think they were going to make a move with the Lakers because they just weren't going to give them enough. I felt like if he was going to be moved, it would probably be to Cleveland, and it seems like they're working on this right now. The interesting thing is Kenneth Fareed going to Cleveland. Um, I mean, that that's uh, – I mean, I know that Denver has wanted to get rid of Fareed for a while, um, but I don't know exactly how he fits – into Cleveland. I mean, it'll be good for, for Thompson to have a backup, I would assume, uh, to make the money work. Maybe they send Fry or Schumpert back to um, Denver, who obviously has a lot of cap space, so they can afford to take on a little extra uh, cap um, to make the trade happen. So, yeah, interesting things in the works here. Uh, like I said, reported by Mark Stein of ESPN. Uh, so we'll uh, keep an eye on that, and uh, we'll be reporting it if uh, anything comes of it as soon as something does. Um, so uh looks like we have Joel on the line. Let's see here. Joel, hey. what's going on, man? What's up, brother? What's up? Oh, uh, not, uh, not too much, man. So what what do you make of this, uh, this trade uh, rumor that we got going on right now? Uh, I think Kenneth Reed might be going to uh, Indiana, if anything. You know, uh-huh. if any <laughs> so if yeah, I, works, I can I can maybe see that. Um, I don't think they really would need Kenneth Reed though. Technically, no, they wouldn't. But um, it's it's it has it's it's he's not going to do nothing in Denver. They'll probably end up doing more no. there. They have Thaddeus Young in Indiana. Right. I guess I don't know. if us moving him back to the three spot. He hasn't really been a three for a couple of years now. So, yeah. Well, but I mean, conceivably, good. I mean, it just depends if he's if he's the only guy in your roster who's worthy to be a starter who can, can play the three. Then I think you have to play him at the three. Right. That's true. I mean, well, we don't we don't know the logistics yet. As far as we know, right. it is just kind of. We don't know if they're gonna throw in someone else like a Wilson Chandler or something. Uh, but we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I, I think maybe I'd want Wilson Chandler more so than Kenneth Fareed at this point. But at oh, the same I time, definitely would. right? And I don't know if I don't know who's younger at this point either. I forget. I think uh, they're young. both. They're yeah. Neither one of them's really young. Like I think they're both either thirty or maybe a little knocking on thirties or a little older. I feel like maybe Fareed's like a year older, but that's just guessing. I'm not sure either. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Chandler, just for positional sake, because he can much more comfortably play the three, um, and he can play a small ball four. But, I mean, that would certainly make more sense for uh, for um, Indiana. But as far as, like, as far as uh, for Denver, I wouldn't necessarily want to give up Chandler, just only because you're, you're – if you pull this straight off, I don't think you necessarily want to re-sign Gallinari – um, because you want to make sure that you have enough money to go out and get a point guard, whether it be Rondo if he gets released or, you know, maybe see if you can sign a Drew Holiday. I don't think they, they'll be able to offer anything that um, that New Orleans wouldn't, wouldn't you know, top. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very much intrigued by the deal, and, you know, we'll see. We'll see how everything kind of falls into place. It'll be interesting for sure. Um, but I think it I think it could really work out for 
for the Pacers, I mean, I would assume they'll probably get like a first round pick out of it from Denver and maybe I know that the the Cavs own like the 2019 first round pick of Minnesota. So maybe right. they throw something like that in, you know, um, that, you know, it's not nearly as valuable as it was, you know, pre-draft now that they got Jimmy Butler. Um, but, uh, but nevertheless, maybe some chips in like that. And then like a Moody, a, a Jamal Murray, a lot of young talent over there on that Denver roster that, you know, if you're getting a, putting a playoff team together, you can kind of afford to part ways with. Denver is interesting because I, I wouldn't say they're a veteran or or two away to compete like I feel Minnesota is. Denver is almost there. They're close. They were were they close to making the playoffs last year? I forget. Yeah, they were like missed it by one game, I think. Yeah, they have some good players there. They Jamal Murray, they Jokic, who's really good. Uh, yeah. Wilson Chandler, uh, but he's not one of the younger guys. Uh, I don't know if Gallinari's going to come Gary back. Harris. Gary Harris is really yeah. good. I like Gary Harris. He's so, kind of inconsistent. I don't know. A little bit, but, like, he's probably their best just, like, scorer. You know, like, right. just can get the ball in the hoop. Like, he's probably their best scorer. Um, I think Jokic will definitely, like, take that over, if not net, this upcoming season, like, in the very near future. Right. Yeah, him and Jamal Murray and Gary Harris, no, they have offensive firepower. And now with if, if they get Kevin Love, that's another added offense. But they got to defend at some point. So that's what true. The hell? That's true. That yeah, that you're you're very right about that. I mean, <clears throat> I think they were the worst defense in the league last year. Yeah, and Kevin Love they were like <clears throat> right, and they were like the fourth best um, offense, I believe. So they got a lot of offensive firepower. Um, uh, what I think will be interesting is, you know, they've been in the talks uh, with Phoenix to get Bledsoe. Um, so if they can pull off, you know, a couple different deals to get both of those guys, um, you know, I definitely think that that right there puts them over the top and makes them a playoff team and maybe even, you know, like a like a five or six seed. Right. I'm not. It's 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 possible. Obviously, probably just yeah. a better point guard. You know. Yeah, they definitely need a better point guard. That is that is goes without question. Um yeah. but yeah, so we'll we'll be keeping an eye on that. That'll be fun. Um so sure. the draft the draft has come and gone. We've seen a lot of interesting trades. So what we're gonna do for you guys out there is we're gonna go through each team and kind of break down and give uh we're gonna play a game called win, lose or draw. Uh we'll name you know, uh, uh, go through each team, and Joel and I will let you know if we thought they won, they lost, or they drew. Um, so starting with the Atlanta Hawks, we're going alphabetically, mm-hmm. by the way. I'm not just starting with them because they're my team. just want to make that be yeah. clear. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah, we're going to start with the Hawks. Um, so, you know, the big news came out, you know, a little bit before the draft. They, they traded Howard. <laughs> And the number thirty-one pick for Bellinelli, Plumley, and the number forty-one pick. And then, uh, as far as the draft, they they draft John Collins at number nineteen, Tyler Dorsey at forty-one, and then Alpha Caba at number sixty. Uh, so, Joel, what do you think as far as the Atlanta Hawks? Uh, you know, they win, lose, or draw? Uh, I think they draw. I wouldn't say they they lost anything. I think they kind of went the. Uh, if we're basing it just on the draft, 
I think it's it's a draw. But I do like John Collins for them. I don't know much about Alpha Cava or Tyler Dorsey, even though I think what Tyler Dorsey is more of a scoring guard or whatever. Yeah, yeah he, very he, much so. He he's kind of one dimensional. He I mean he puts the ball in the in the hoop. Um I think possibility as far as upside would be a Lou Williams. Hey, if that's if that's his upside, then hey, you got to win it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's the that's the thing that like I'm saying, that's like the the highest possible upside. I'm not I don't I don't expect that per se. I just I'm just saying that's the kind of player he is. Uh I think he's like 6. I think he's a little taller than Williams. I think he's like 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. He's a little, he, so I mean, he's a little more of a traditional shooting guard side, but he can he can also handle the ball a little bit better. I would say, well, not maybe not better than Lou Williams, but like he, he's he's a reasonably decent ball handler. So he's not like he's not necessarily just like a catch and shoot guy. Like he can bring the ball up the court for you if you need him to. Um, right. He definitely wouldn't be uh, like maybe like a D'Angelo Russell, like as far as like bringing the ball up the court and distributing and stuff like that. Like, that's definitely not his MO. Gotcha. All right. I was just curious because I do – look, again, I, I don't mind Atlanta's moves. Uh, I, I'll say they drew, though. I wouldn't say they did anything significant, significant in terms of winning, but I will say it wasn't terrible. Yeah, and, you know, I've kind of come around on the Dwight Howard trade, um, and, and mainly the reason why is uh, – I feel like what we're doing, and and this is just speculation on my part, but I feel like what we're doing right now is by trading Dwight Howard and getting a, a very tradable asset in Marco Bellinelli, um, not mm-hmm. not necessarily a valuable piece, like not not anything you're going to get like any sort of assets for, but Bellinelli being a, you know a, a you know scoring backup shooting guard who can also play the three if you need him to, um, he he's very much an asset that you can attach to somebody else to trade because his contract's not very high. Um, it's expiring. So anybody who's worried about payroll isn't going to be too worried. And it's only six, like $6.3 million. Um, so that's a, that's a reasonable asset to have at your disposal. And then, I mean, you know, we only save, I think it was like $3.8 million over the course of the, the contracts and their, you know, lives or whatever. But uh, nevertheless, you do save at least, it, it, not c- counting you know Bellinelli, but just counting Plumlee versus Howard. You do save, uh, I think, about eleven million dollars for the next two years on those contracts. And so, what I think the Hawks are probably going to do is they're going to try to kind of do what what um, Brooklyn just did in acquiring Moskov and try to see, go around the league and see if they can get assets for taking on a few bad contracts. Um, and if that's what their plan is, that makes a lot of sense to me. Because, how, I mean, if you can reduce your your costs uh, on your payroll by $11 million, that means you can pick up an additional, you know, maybe two or three-year contract that, that, you know, a team doesn't want and get back an asset. And maybe even, you know, if you can attach – Bellinelli to it, they may even be more inclined to do that deal. Um, right. So, so yeah. So, I mean, I think in that sort of respect, I mean, it's still sucked to move back in the draft. Um, but uh, ultimately, you know, I, uh, really didn't seem to matter to me once the draft came and went. Um, I like the John Collins pick, too. Um, I, I mean, I'm all right with the Dorsey pick. You know I wanted us to draft Hardenstein. 
Um, <laughs> I, I just, I mean, I, I, the kid's got a lot of potential. He was he, on a bunch of different, you know, uh, big boards. He was ranked number two as the number two international prospect um, right. throughout the year. Uh, now he does. Apparently, he had back problems, or he, he may have back problems, or something like that. Um, right. And I think that is why he slipped so far back in the draft because a seven footer with back problems who's 18 does not bode well, you know, like ongoing. Um, so if that's the, you know, if that's the case, I understand it. I, I never want to take a guy in the first round who's got injury trouble. Um, but in the second round, it's not quite as big of a deal. Like I think you can, you can roll those dice a little better. Um, and then I'm fine with Alpha Kaba. Kaba, I'm like you. I don't know anything about him really, but um, <laughs> but I, I do find it interesting that we passed on Jonathan Motley there. Um, Motley, I had him on my big board around like early 40s, um, and he slipped down. I think he he's got some injury concerns too, um, but but uh, Dallas has already signed him to a uh, two year deal um, since he went undrafted, and so I'll be interested to see if he. Uh, if he puts up any numbers or does anything interesting for the Mavericks. Um, but especially since we, you know, we could use a little point uh, or power forward depth, but, but overall I'm with you. It's a draw, like nothing that's like stands out as being shockingly bad. Nothing that stands out as being like terrific. It's just a right. little bit of this, little bit of that, what have you, you know? Mm-hmm. I agree. All right, moving on. We got the Boston Celtics. So they're big, claim to fame for, for this uh, offseason, uh, was trading the number one pick in exchange for the number three pick and L.A., mm-hmm. either L.A.'s 2018 first or Sacramento's 2019 first with weird protections on it. Um, so with the draft, you know, they, they obviously draft Jason Tatum at number three, Shumi Ojale at number 37, Kadeem Allen at 53, and Jabari Bird at 57. By the way, I'm convinced the only reason they took Jabari Bird was because his last name's fucking Bird. Like, there's no other reason to take him <laughs> at all. I think he was ranked in the 90s on uh, on my board. Um, but nevertheless, win, lose, or draw for Boston. Mm, I'm going to say win. They got a good yeah. asset there in Tatum. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like Semi Ojolie. Him. <laughs> they get like what, how many? You said what else? They got like two or three more guys. I mean, two or three more guys. Yeah, they got one or two more guys. That, I, yeah, I don't think they're the fifty third and fifty seventh pick. I don't think they're going to really do much. Kadeem Allen, um, I think man, I forget where he played, um, and I have no clue about Jabari Bird. I remember seeing him like at the tail end of the the um, of the uh, like right before the draft on, on some, some different boards. So I kind of looked up a little bit of his information, and he at least made my board. But I, like in the nineties, like like again, I mean, I'm just I'm super convinced. Like they were like, yeah, let's draft him. His name's Bird. Fans will love it. <laughs> So I, I'll do a good job, honestly. They did. They did this. Um, I think they're not winners, in my opinion. And just just based solely on the draft. And uh, you know, they traded away the first pick for the third pick. Aiden was still. I mean, he's still a good asset to have. They didn't need ball. I think Tatum's a way better fit as a draft pick on the Boston Celtics than anybody else could pick for themselves. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I think they're they're definitely winners. Um, I like the the draft pick swap. Honestly, um, you go from one to three. 
obviously this kind of signals a commitment um, to, you know, Isaiah Thomas and Marcus Smart and Terry Rozier and those guys, like, that you're confident enough in them moving forward. I think that's, like, a good sign for Boston. Um, so there's not this kind of talk of what – are they going to trade Isaiah Thomas or are they not going to trade Isaiah Thomas? Um, which, I, you know, I, I do think there's an argument to be made there. Um, but obviously Boston has decided to put that argument to rest. Um, and then when you have – when you get, you know, another future probably top five pick, um, I don't see L.A. making any sort of huge strides this year unless something major happens. Like, and they could always get somebody in free agency. They could always trade for Paul George. Um, but, I mean, you're still dealing with really young guys and, you know, just swapping out you know, Ball for, you know, Russell, I'm sorry, swapping out Russell for Ball and, and Brooke Lopez, I don't think that makes you that much better, you know. Um, no, I so, I mean, I still think, and even Sacramento, you know, they're going to be bad, you know, for a while. They, I mean, they have a promising future, but they have a young core. So I like that draft pick, or I like that, that trade. Uh, and I agree. I like I like them drafting Tatum there. I think he's he was the right fit for them. And I love Shimmy Ojale. Like that dude can ball. And yeah. I think get, them getting him at number thirty-seven is a steal. He can play both the three and the four, which they desperately need somebody, some guys who can play the four and and play it physically mm-hmm. and well. And he's kind of one of those guys. Um, and he, he shot like forty-three percent from three last year. So very yeah. very solid well, pickup. I'm with you on that. I think they're winners. Yeah, I got to say they came out on top. They could, I mean, it was hard for them to lose where they were, considering where they're at. It's like a win-win for them regardless. It's hard for them yep. to fuck that up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, who knows? Maybe they can move some stuff around and, um, you know, make make some kind of trade to, uh, you know, to kind of fortify their roster a little bit or, or make, you know, uh, I think they're definitely going to make a move regardless in free agency. So, um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how they play out, um, you know, throughout the free agency process. Um, so Brooklyn Nets, uh, so the big thing with them was they trade Brooke Lopez in the 27 pick for D'Angelo Russell, and they take on the atrocious contract of Timothy Mozgov. Um, and then in the draft, they, um, with the 22 pick, they take Jared Allen. And then they also owned the 57 pick, which they took Alexander Vezenkov who I don't really know anything about. <laughs> um, but uh but at fifty seven why not? Let's take a let's take a swing player from like probably Russia or one of those eastern uh European countries and you know just see see if it works out. Um but as far as uh you know the, the trade and, and them drafting uh Jared Allen, um win, lose or draw for you. I think because they got lucky enough to get Jared Allen. I call it a win for them because they almost were a bust, bro. They had the night. They, they, the Boston's pick was, you know what I mean? That's supposed to be yeah. their pick. So for just to start, and that's kind of what they had an F to start. Uh, they came out with a pretty decent haul in Jazz. Because it's almost a lot But. Someone I didn't expect to fall to booking, so that's probably why. Yeah, I mean, and it's just, you know, as far as the draft and everything and, and you know, what they were able to do to get, 
a, a basically a good quality player because you know D'Angelo Russell, you know, he's kind of caught a lot of shit and, and rightfully so for his his kind of immaturity. But as far as his basketball play, um, I mean, I think he's done really well with with the hand that he's been dealt. He's only been in the league two years, so you know, for them to be able to get a player of his quality, um, given that they haven't had any of the resources to do so, um, but they found themselves in the right situation at the right time and pulled the trigger on it, and I think it was a terrific move for them. Um, You know, getting Russell, it doesn't really hurt them to take on Mozgov. It's way more important to get D'Angelo Russell. And then drafting Jared Allen, like, I think I had Jared Allen at, like, 13th on my board, but just because so many people didn't need centers. And then even, you know, there were a couple centers, or at least one in Justin Patton that, you know, jumped him. Um, You know, I mean, yeah. I mean, well, and that's, uh, you know, I guess it just depends on what you want because the Patton's, you know, a much more capable offensive center. Um, But Jared Mm -hmm. Allen's, like, the, the more the center that you need in today's NBA, like mobile paint protector, um, good defender. Like I, I really, really like that pick for them. And I think pairing up D'Angelo Russell and Jared Allen and um, uh, Kara Slipper, who they were able to get last year from um, uh, Indiana when they traded Thaddeus Young. uh, Like they've got a, they've got three players there that they can begin to kind of, formulate Four. something. Yeah, I like, I like Rondé Hollis Jefferson too. Yeah, that's true. I forgot about him. Yeah, he's he's played pretty well. He kind of gets lost in the mix. Well, I mean, anybody who plays in Brooklyn gets lost in the fucking mix. But um but yeah, I mean, I I think uh I think he's definitely a a pretty good young player and uh it'll be interesting to see what they do cuz I think he's got a uh contract I think his contract comes up at the end of this year, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what, what, you know, happens there if he resigns or, you know, he tries to drive up the price or, you know, whatever there. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you. He's a pretty good player. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, we're, uh, we're in agreement there yet again. I think we've agreed on all three thus far. So, uh, but so maybe far. we'll disagree on this <laughs> one. Uh, so number four, Char- Charlotte Hornets. So obviously they were uh, on the opposite side of the Atlanta trade. They uh, traded Bellinelli, Plumley, the 41 pick for Howard, and the 31 pick. Uh, they draft Malik Monk at 11, and then uh, there were some some uh, kind of pick pick swaps going on amidst the draft. Um, I, I, no need for us to like get into all the minutia of all that, but essentially at the end of the day they came away with Malik Monk at 11 and Dwayne Bacon at number 40. Uh, a win, lose, or draw for the uh, Hornets there. Yeah, I got to give him a win, in my opinion, man. Monk fell in your lap, and you had to take him, and he's going to be yep. quite a show with him and uh, Kemba Walker. It's going to be interesting mm-hmm. to watch those two play together. And uh, I don't know much about Dwayne Bacon. I'll be, uh, I'll admit that. <laughs> but I heard he's good, you know. <laughs> so I'll take that. Yeah. The he, real tall he's kind of... Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh yeah, oh, well, he's the real hall. <laughs> the real hall he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm... Yeah, absolutely. And like, yeah, Bacon, he's kind of like a, um, he's like a swing kind of player. Uh, I think he's like six seven. He's, I think he's a pretty good defender, but he he, he can't really shoot. 
Um, so that's kind of been like his, his downside. Um, I think he was thought to have ranked a lot higher, um, like earlier in the college year and coming out of high school, but it didn't, um, his, his ranking just kind of considerably fell off throughout the season. Um, but I mean, he, I think he's definitely got the potential for, for an NBA career. I mean, we all like, I mean, the, the league always has its Andre Robertson's. So you don't necessarily have to be a good shooter to make it in this league. Um, Absolutely. Right. So, but yeah, I mean, I have to agree with you. I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily think like, as far as the, you know, the Howard trade, I like, I don't really think they won on that. I mean, getting Dwight Howard, I mean, their payroll is really, really high for a team that may or may not make the playoffs. And I would certainly be concerned about that if I was, yeah. you know, the Hornets front office. Um, the gamble. But nevertheless, what's that? The gamble. Yeah. I mean, it definitely is. And But, you know, they do get rid of, uh, they do get rid of Plumlee. And then because mm-hmm. they get Malik Monk, I mean, he basically is replacing Bellinelli. So, you know, I mean, as far as position-wise, I would say Howard is undoubtedly better than Plumlee as far as just skill. And, you know, Malik Monk, he's not – obviously, he's a rookie. He's not going to – I don't think – I don't expect him to play better than Bellinelli, but he's a better person. He's a better player to have going forward, obviously. So, you know, I think when you when you stack those two things up as they are, uh, I, I would give them at least a draw but probably a win. Um, the one thing that I didn't understand was they got the 31 pick out of Atlanta and then traded it for Bacon, and they had Frank Jackson. And I'm not, like, huge on Frank Jackson, um, but I think he could at least play backup point guard, and, but he can also right. play the two. Um, so he's a little right. more versatile in the areas that I felt like they needed than Bacon. Um, but, right. uh, you know, I think the reason they got Bacon was because they see him as a similar – like not as skilled, but a similar player to, to Kid Gilchrist. So if they have to rest Kid Gilchrist and pull him in for 10, 15 minutes a game, that right. he can basically, they can still run the exact same offense and just plug him in, maybe have a lesser version of Kid Gilchrist. So that's, that's right. the only logic that I can kind of come to. But all in all, I, yeah, I think they, they pretty much won. I mean, I think, um, you know, they, they, did, they did a pretty good job. Uh, so the Chicago Bulls, obviously, <laughs> no big deal with them. They trade Jimmy Butler and the number 16 pick for Zach Levine, Chris Dunn, and the number 7 pick. And then with that number 7 pick, they take Laurie Markkinen. Uh, and a side note, they also drafted Jordan Bell and then promptly sold his, the rights to Golden State. Uh, do I even need to ask? <laughs> <laughs> Hmm, I'm going to say obviously a win. No, I'm playing. It was a loss. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how – you can't trade away Jimmy Butler and say you won. So – and then draft more. Yeah, Butler. the best you now, can get – yeah, the best you can get at that point is a draw. <laughs> right, that's the best you can get is a, is a draw. And you didn't draft well and you can't, to get a draw. Yeah, and you can't get a draw when you give up the 16th pick at the same fucking time. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, it's a it's a boo. That's what it is. It's a boo and very disappointing draft for the Chicago Bulls. Though it's not all sorrows. I do like the upside to Chris Dunn and Zach Levine and Laurie Markinen, but there's a lot of question marks there, and that's mm-hmm. what, why you get that you know the the loss there. Yeah, 
And I agree with you. Like, honestly, it, it's interesting because I, I heard an interview, um, I heard someone talk about uh, the in an interview with Tibbs, like, after the trade. And he basically said that uh, the number, if they didn't include the number 16 pick, then it was going to be a deal breaker. And I was like, really? Like, really, Tibbs? Like, if they had been like, yeah. we, we're not going to give you 16, but we'll give you 38, and you can get Jimmy Butler, you're going to tell them no. no. Like, no, you're not. Yeah. Shut up. You're not. It's like, no, you're not, dude. Like, push comes to shove, you're going to take that trade. Um, but, like, yeah, I mean, had they given them the 38 pick and kept the 16th pick, um, it would have been a whole, whole different story. Um, but, you know, given that that didn't happen, um, yeah, man. Like, and then to to – draft Jordan Bell and then promptly trade him, even though you really do need somebody who can play the four and the five, because as of now, the only you only have one player on your roster at each of those positions. Well, I guess no, now you got you got Mark in, so now you got a guy who can swing as well. But nevertheless, like and Bell would have been like the perfect person to kind of match with Mark in. Like athletic, defensive minded, like you know, big and strong, like not as tall, but like if you pair, you know, somebody who's a little shorter, but really athletic and big and strong with somebody who is tall, um, but maybe isn't as as athletic and isn't quite as a good of a defender. Like that's how you get away. That's how you help that offensive player um, not have to worry so much about defense. Um, so I just, I like, I totally thought the Jordan Bell pickup was like a great pickup for them. And then I have no idea. Like, and then you sell it for $3 million. Like I know that's $3 million, but like, come on, dude, what are the, the owners of, of Chicago, like in some money trouble or something, they're selling, they're selling good draft picks for $3 million. Like, come on, dude. Yeah. <laughs> that's just, that, that just baffles me. It doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah, I, I none of what they've done in you know since the trade deadline last year has made any sense. Because I mean they traded, but they, they traded McDermott and 2018 second round pick and then some other shit for oh and uh, Tosh Tosh Gibson uh, for mm-hmm. um, to uh, Oklahoma for like some expiring contracts and Cameron Payne, who, like, the same Cameron Payne that when Rondo got hurt in the playoffs and they only had, uh, uh, what, 14 men left on the roster at that point, so they had to bench one. He was the guy who still got benched, who did not play (laughs) at all. (laughs) Like, it's just crazy. Like, um, when you lost the point. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's just fucking crazy to me. Like, um, I've heard a lot of people say that they should have drafted um, either Monk or uh, Dennis Smith Jr. Um, and I'm not, I'm not necessarily like maybe maybe Malik Monk. I I don't get the point in drafting one of those guys if you, if you just picked up Chris Dunn and Zach Levine, like or right. Levine. Like you, I mean, you don't. You don't want to, like, that would send an even worse message to me. Like, yeah, we took you in the trade, but we don't believe in you. So we're going to draft this yeah. other guy when you fail. Like, Yeah, you got two young guys. They're both really young. Like, Levine and Dunn are both 
young prospects. Now they're not they like Dunn had a bad year and Levine's coming off a bad injury, you know. So but right. they have upside still in my opinion, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and like and I think they could pair well together. Like I, 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 I think agree. it's interesting that everybody says, Well, you know, Levine can't defend well, no, he. I mean, he's a scorer. He That's what he does. He's not. He's not a really good defender. He's a really good scorer. And Chris Dunn is a really good defender. Like you didn't see, right. you like only saw little bits and pieces of them on the floor for extended periods of time last year because they, neither one of them played a whole lot. I mean, obviously Levine got hurt in midseason, and Chris Dunn didn't really start picking up minutes until after midseason. So, mm-hmm. uh, but just as far as their skill sets, I think they work well together. Levine's a little undersized for the two, but Dunn's a little tall for the one. He's a better, he's a good defender. Levine's a good scorer. Like, mm-hmm. it's just all about finding players that complement each other, and I think they could complement each other very well. Now, I think what they're going to have to do going forward is make sure they get somebody at the three and somebody at the five who are both really good defenders. Um, and then you can get away a little bit with Levine and Markin and not being great defenders. Right. And I like Bobby Portis. They still got Bobby Portis. Yeah. He's promising. I think he's still got two years left on his rookie deal um, or at least one year. Um, so, uh, you know, that's, that's really good. And he's, he's kind of that defensive minded, um, you know, power forward. Uh, center combo, like he can play play a little bit. I think he could could play a little bit of center. I don't think he did at all or much last year, but I think he could. He's he's, he's certainly athletic enough and tall enough, um, especially in in today's you know NBA. So um, so yeah, I mean I don't think it's a total wash for them. Like I'm not like this is the worst trade ever. Like so many people were with like the Boogie Cousins trade, and right. that the same people are saying the same thing about this trade, even though like. You know, it's like they forget when they're talking about the Kings. They're like, man, no, they got De'Aaron Fox and everything. Well, like, and Buddy Heald and all this, they got a promising future. Yeah, well, it's because they traded DeMarcus Cousins. See? Like it, was, mm. it wasn't it was not, It wasn't like the greatest trade in the world, but it was a smart trade. It was a trade they needed to make. Um, all right, so moving on. Cleveland, no trades, no draft picks. I'm giving them mm. an L, though. I'm giving them an L. Because, <laughs> I, no, this is why, dude. Like, do you know who else didn't have any fucking draft picks? The Clippers. And yet they came away with two people. The Golden State Warriors didn't have any draft picks, and they came away with one person. You don't have a GM running your office, so you can't get in there to make these calls to figure shit out. You're all wrapped up in trying to get Paul George or whatever, Like, which is, you know, smart. You need to have that. But, like, dude, you don't. If you're gonna let your GM go, David, uh, if you're gonna let David Griffin go, like, mm-hmm. and you're Dan Gilbert, you damn well better have somebody to replace him and like have the forethought to have that worked out. Like, right. don't, you know, like, be planning ahead, motherfuckers. Like, and so now they go into the draft, and you know they they, you know, because last year they uh, they bought the rights to Kay Felder from the Hawks. Um, which, you know, certainly didn't turn out to be anything special, but, um, you know, you get in there and you start talking to people. I mean, they could certainly have used a, a Jawan Evans that, you know, went right. to the Clippers. Definitely. They could certainly have used a Jordan Bell that went to the Warriors. Um, so, yeah, I got to give them an L for that reason. But do you think I'm being yeah. reasonable in my assessment? <laughs> yeah, I, do, I totally do. I do. 
I don't know if I I don't I don't know if I completely say it's a loss because obviously there's nothing two games, but at the same time you're right they could have at least tried. <laughs> picked something up and they didn't and it's a lot of it has to do with the fact that their GM got fired so they have no one making the call literally. So yeah, it, it is kind of an L for them because they came away with shit on a time where you kind of could use any type of young talent that you can find. And it probably comes through undrafted guys that come through the summer league and hopefully they find a gem there. But if not, you know, they, they yeah. didn't do it. Through the- yeah. And, and like, hopefully they do like, I mean, that's because they need some depth. Um, I mean, I think they have five open roster spots uh, as of, as of, you know, right now. Um, so they need to fill those up. Now they're probably going to be looking to fill those up with veterans because um, that's how they operate. That's how all those LeBron teams operate. Um, but nevertheless, mm-hmm. like, it's good to get, like, a young guy in there too. Like, I'm not saying fill them all with young guys, but, like, get in there and see if you can get a Jawan Evans or, you know, a Jordan Bell or even a Cinderius Thornwell. Like, just, you know, mm-hmm. some uh, just one or two guys who can help fill out your roster and then you can go in and get, you know, the veteran pieces, you know, but yeah, I mean, I hope they get it figured out. I hope they get Paul George because I want to see a better series than what we got this past, uh, <laughs> this past season. So yeah. here's well, the hope. Get it done in Cleveland. Get Chauncey Bell's ass in there. Let him start making calls. <laughs> um, all right. So moving on, we got the Dallas Mavericks next. Uh, not much going on for them. They only had one draft pick, but it was Dennis Smith Jr. at number nine. Um, so with that being considered, uh, I would definitely give that a win. What say you, Joel? Yeah, definitely a win. Uh, I can't say they lost that at all. He was the, one of the top prospects, one of the top point guards available. Uh, a lot of people just were hating on a lot of people that passed on him. So. Uh, the fact that he fell to Dallas, they got lucky, in my opinion, and they they went with it. They got him, and that's a nice young piece to put next to the young squad they're putting together down in Dallas with Seth Curry, Nerlens Noel, um, I don't know Harrison Barnes. Yeah, so they have they have the Harrison Barnes. They have pieces, you know. So I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see if you know they have a twenty-five million dollar team option on Dirk Nowitzki. And obviously Dirk Nowitzki is not worth $20 million. Um, but I think it'll be interesting to see if, uh, you know, cause I don't, I don't, I don't think they have any contracts coming up next year. They obviously, mm-hmm. they have the, um, the Netherlands Noel contract. So if you, if mm-hmm. you, you know, if you waive, not waive, but if you don't pick up that option for Dirk Nowitzki and then you maybe try to bring in somebody before, you re-sign Noel, maybe they can make that work. But I still think, like, with their cap, I still don't think they would be able to to go get any sort of guy of significant value. But I, I, I'm curious, like, do you think they'll pick up that option? I mean, they Mark Cuban loves Dirk Nowitzki. Like, he should have never given him a $25 million contract. But the reason he did was obviously because Dirk Nowitzki has been loyal as hell. He stuck around. And so he did what Pat Riley wouldn't do for Dwayne Wade and was like, here, give me your $25 million. I'll give you a $50 million two-year contract because you're the reason we won a championship. So, but all that being said, do you, do you think he picks that up despite it not being necessarily the best thing for the team? Do you think he's that loyal to Dirk Nowitzki? 
from what I hear, that they told them already that they're not. Oh, did they? That's what I heard this morning, that they're not going to pick it up and reconfigure the contract for, for Dallas. Okay. I, I See, I almost thought he that, that he might do it. But it, that's smart. I mean, that makes sense. But, hey, at least you made $25 million when he wasn't giving you half a season's worth of, you know, games. So, right. Um, but I still, I, I do still give give Cuban props and, and Dirk for that matter because the couple years before that contract, Dirk was Dirk took a pay cut so they could get a little extra talent in, and you know they just work well together. I think there's a good ebb and flow there in Dallas. I think if I was a player, I think that would probably be the place I would most likely want to play is in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't I don't doubt it at all. So. Yeah, Win. yeah, he's a good player. <laughs> yeah, indeed, I I agree with you. I mean, I I think you have to give it a win. Getting getting Smith is that's just especially at number nine, like that's just great. Um, and then by the way, I heard uh, that there were there were cheers in the Dallas uh, draft room when. Uh, when Phil Jackson decided to take Frank Nilekina. <laughs> oh, is that right? Yeah, uh, that's what I heard. So there was also tears in the New York Knicks uh, locker room or whatever the war room. <laughs> so it's all yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, hey, you know I'm I'm all about I'm all about the Frenchman. So, yeah. um, but uh, on to the Denver Nuggets. So uh, the only kind of interesting trade uh, on their end was they traded the number 13 pick to Denver for uh, Trey Lyles and the number 25 pick. And then uh, with that 25th pick, they went on to take Tyler Lydon uh, and then uh, Vlatko Tanchar, I think is how you pronounce his name, uh, at 49. He's he's uh, a wing player. I think he's like 6'7". Um, I'm always weary of the wing players like the, the foreign uh, drafted uh, wing players um, from, from like, Middle Europe um, or Eastern Europe. You never know. Like, there's not been a lot of them that have panned out. Um, maybe, like, Andre Kirilenko, he did. Um, but uh, – and then Monte Morris at 51. Uh, so, you know, win, lose, or draw as far as you're concerned for the Nuggets. I'm going to say lose, man. Leiden? <laughs> I mean, it didn't make sense to me. That draft, that'd be, I don't know what they were trying to do. They got the same player twice to me. That's what they did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they already have um, that kind of player. It's annoying. Yeah. And I think, honestly, what I think they were, the only thing I can imagine is they're like, well, Gallinari's going to walk, so why don't we go get another Gallinari? Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, because, I, I mean, he's kind of like Gallinari. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't, I, like, I don't, <laughs> There's no telling if he's going to be as good. And I, I, if you were to ask me what my gut instinct is, I would say it's not going to be as good. I don't, no. I don't have a lot of confidence in Leiden either. In fact, there were some rumors that the Hawks were going to take him at 19 at one point, and I was like, please don't do that. Like, if he falls <laughs> to 31, because at this time we had made the Howard trade, but if he falls to 31, like, okay, fine. You can take him there, but do not take his ass at 19. That's just stupid. Um, totally. But uh, luckily we didn't, and they did. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I like them picking up Trey Lyles. He didn't do much last year, but he's he's a reasonably good four. Um, right. And 
And so, like, you know, if they, you know, make the right kind of moves in free agency, especially if they bring in Kevin Love, he's he's the kind of guy that you you would want backing up Kevin Love. Um, Right. So, you know, I I can see, you know, somewhat on – they did okay, but yeah, I don't like that Leiden pick at all. I do like them getting Monte Morris at fifty-one. Yeah, I think I think that that's a bad. yeah, I think that's a nice little bargain pickup for them. As far as mm-hmm. Chanchar or Chanchar or however you pronounce his name, um, I don't know. Time will tell <laughs> on that. Like you know, once it, once you get out of like the top three or four um, or maybe five international players, like I don't. I, I just don't know much about him. So, so yeah, time will tell on him. Um, but, yeah, I'm kind of with you. I would be inclined. I'll, I'll, I'll give him a draw just so we can be different for, you know, at least once on this radio show. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I don't like the Leiden pick either. I think it's a waste. Um, all right, so moving on, Detroit Pistons. They take their only draft pick is number 12. They take Luke Kennard. Win, lose, or draw for you? I'm going to go draw. Because I don't know. Kennard I like, uh, but considering that's the only pick they had, and I can't say it's going to immediately help, I'm going to say the draw. I think it's too soon to know for sure what, what kind of impact he's going to make on Detroit. It could be a win, but it could also be a loss. So. Yeah, I'm going to say loss just because I think Donovan Mitchell would have been the better person to take. And so when you're examining a team that only has one draft pick and you think mm-hmm. they took the lesser of the two players at the position they took who were ranked right around the same spot, like, mm-hmm. I mean, to me, it's just kind of simple. It's it's a loss because you took the guy that I don't think is as good. And if you had taken Donovan Mitchell, I would have given him the win because they took the guy who I think is like has a better future, more long-term. And I think he fits a little bit more of the, of the Cald- Caldwell Pope model. Um, I, I I don't know that Kennard is, is going to be a bad NBA defender. I just – I I think he's not going to be a great NBA defender. I mean, he's just I can he's only a pure shooter. Um, but, you know, I never thought that J.J. Redick was going to turn out to be a good defender. And by no means is he great. He's undersized. Um, but he works his ass off. And so – that's the thing about those Duke guys, man, especially the, the ones who aren't, like, the super, like, talented ones, like Kyrie Irving or Jason Tatum. Like, you know, the lesser guys, like um, like a Just Shane Battier. Those guys work their ass off, J.J. Redick mm-hmm. included. And um, so, yeah, man, I mean, they, they could turn out – I mean, it, it could turn out to be a, a good pick for them if he can develop quick enough and, you know, if uh, – if he just, you know, turns out to be a, a reasonably good player in the league and, and, and isn't, doesn't get outshined by Donovan Mitchell. Because if he does, you know, they'll always look back at that pick and be like, damn, we should have taken Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> should have listened right. to Nick. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> I heard I heard you in a, like, condescending tone there, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm trying to be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're not denying it. I know what you want to say. You're like, yeah, I was being condescending because you were being pompous. Get over it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. Golden State. Golden State Warriors. Uh, again, no trades for them no draft picks for them, and yet they come away with Jordan fucking Bell. Like, right. 
Got got to give him a win on that one, man. Yeah, easily, yeah, win. I agree yeah, I totally. mean, yeah, I just I can't wait to see like I I just want to see like practice tapes of Jordan Bell going against Draymond Green. Like that, that would just be so much fun like and did you did you hear about like Draymond Green called him up like once he got drafted? Did he? No, I didn't hear that. Yeah, it gave him like a little like rookie hazing or something. Um, like nothing yeah. bad or anything, but like he was like he oh he tried to I I know what it was he tried to FaceTime him, and uh, he got declined. And so Draymond texted him and was like, "Yo, like MF is you know Draymond Green, like you know." Uh, and he said, like, FaceTime me back. Don't call me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like, you know that's going to be fun. Um, but, yeah, I just like Jordan Bell a lot. I mean, I, obviously, because Oregon went so deep in the tournament, you know, we got to see a lot of him. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I, I think he's going to be a really good player. Um, and I think going to Golden State is just the perfect fit for him. He's not going to be expected to do much, you know. Come in there, play 12, 15 minutes a game, play some hard-nosed defense, block a few shots, get up on those boards, um, and, you know, just play a small ball center when Draymond Green's in foul trouble or he needs to rest. And, you know, everybody else is going to carry the offensive load for you. So I think he's going to fit in perfectly there. Um, And I I hope – I kind of hope that he's one of those guys, like, if he does fit in perfectly there, don't get cocky. I mean, I don't ever want to tell a guy not to go go get paid, but there are so many circumstances where guys fit in perfectly and then they get a contract that's like, you know, $5 million more over like a three-year span. And so they take that contract and then they go play and then they're never, never as good because they're not, they're in a system where they're expected to do things that they shouldn't have to do. Um, so yeah, I, I hope he stays with them for the long haul. I think it's going to going to be very beneficial for Jordan Bell's career. Yeah, I agree. I like him. I like him a lot. I like him for the Warriors. I just I expect him to go in the first round. So a whole bunch of shit going through my head when that got picked. I'm like, damn, you know, I didn't expect him to fall, and I also didn't expect the Warriors to come out of nowhere and buy that trade. I'm like, oh well, they got lucky again. The Warriors don't lose apparently. Uh, this the last couple. of the last year or two, so. Yeah, well, and they did the same thing with Patrick McCall last year. They yeah, went yeah, in and got yeah, Patrick, like Patrick McCall. McCall. Me yeah, too. Like and he's going to be he's gonna be great next year because he's going to get more playing time because they're not going to pay Ian Clark. So Mike. Ian Clark's going to walk, and they have already got Patrick McCall slid right in there to take his place. Word. I agree. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant franchise. Like, they, they're just run to a T, I think. Their uh, general manager just won the whatever the award is for best general manager for the third year in a row. So makes Great sense. General manager. Cause, yeah. yeah, 'cause they they make great decisions. And it's not even just the Kevin Durant one, like all the decisions no. that they've five made years. over the Anybody past like five that. years. Right, yeah. Exactly. Like all the draft picks they've made. Yeah. Great job. Um, so next is the uh Houston Rockets. Uh, so they didn't do much. They had two late first-round picks. They sold one of them uh, to uh, Memphis. Uh, but they did draft my boy, Isaiah Hartenstein. <laughs> so I'm giving him a win, man. 
They got it. They got him uh, late in the draft too. They got him at forty-three. I'm just gonna give him a win just because they made me laugh uh, <laughs> that night. <laughs> it's gonna up. I cried. I cried. I cheered. I was so. I laughed so hard. I was like, <laughs> 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 it happens exactly like you thought it would happen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I, and you know what? It's so funny too, because like when when he fell to thirty-one, or when it when when the you know the first round of the draft ended and he hadn't been taken. I was so pissed, <laughs> uh, as you remember. And for him to fall to us at forty one and us still not take him, that was even worse, man. <laughs> I wish he had just been taken at like thirty seven, like like oh. damn. Um, yeah, but you know the funny thing was I was I was so loving it every time somebody passed on him. Like I was like watching it, like all right, all right, they're gonna take him, they're gonna take. No, they didn't take him. Yes, 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 yes. And then when we didn't take, and the worst part about it too was I didn't like get, even get the build up for us not taking him because they went to commercial break yeah. and they came back right. <laughs> and the pick had already been you know selected. So they were like, oh, yeah. and by the way, the Hawks take Tyler, uh, yeah, Tyler Dorsey. I said, Motherfuckers, <laughs> this whole situation sucks. Yeah, but I, I do give them a win. I think, especially for their system, too. Like, he's, he's not a very big dude. He's, he's swing four. He's pretty athletic. Um, he's uh, Apparently, they were saying he's got a little bit of a wonky shot. His shot mechanics are kind of funny. Um, right. But, I mean, I've, I've looked up his statistics. He doesn't have a bad shooting percentage. He doesn't have a lot of minutes. But he doesn't right. have a particularly bad shooting percentage. Um, so, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how he ends up playing out. Uh, hopefully he'll agree to uh, to be being stashed for a year um, for them because I don't I don't think I mean he's he's really young I, I don't I don't necessarily think he's NBA ready um, so hopefully he'll agree to that go play overseas for a year and then they can bring him back over and work him into their lineup um, but I do think as far as fit fit goes just like Bell going to Golden State I think Hardenstein going to uh, Houston is is a good fit for them. Uh, right. All right, uh, Indiana Pace. Oh, what's that? No, I said he fits. You're right. Yeah, uh, Indiana Pacers. Um, they they did a lot of good work in this draft. They uh, they took T.J. Leaf at 18. They got yeah. Ike and Igbugu, Bogu mm-hmm. at 47, and then they were able to pick up Edmund Sumner at the number 52 pick. The uh, I think the Pelicans. They got him from the Pelicans. Um, so yeah, I gotta give them a win. That's a pretty good draft. I mean, TJ Leaf, uh, getting him at number 18. I mean, I, I kind of saw him going anywhere from like 14 all the way down to maybe 20. Um, so to get him at 18, that's, that's, that's a pretty good spot. I think he matches up well with Miles Turner. Um, I, I, so I've heard, uh, Ike and Bogu, uh, he's he's got some injury concerns, which is why he fell all the way down to 47. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, why not take a flyer on the guy? Like, it, just take a chance. It's number 47. You might as well. And I I'm not too big on Sumner, but I mean, they could certainly use like a backup point guard. Um, you know, they don't have Teague signed on yet. Their point guard situation is up in the air, um, and their their current only. You know, current point guard on the roster is, is Joe Young, who there's a reason you've never heard of him. So I think it's yeah. smart get get someone like an Edmund Sumner, who you know I think he was a senior, um, 
maybe played it how much say Xavier. Um so yeah, I mean I, I definitely give them a win. I think as far as what they did with their draft picks, very good. And they didn't and you know, as far as the as far as the Paul George thing, um, you know, they didn't uh they didn't make a stupid trade. They haven't they haven't done that yet. So um so oh, hopefully them cool. them hold it's now. Cool. Go ahead. I said they didn't pull a Chicago yet. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, and it'll be so funny if they end up making a better trade than Chicago. Like, they're not going to necessarily get, like, the pieces, but, like, that Chicago got necessarily um, because of the situation they're in. But, like, if you weigh it, like, that was the kind of trade that you were expecting for the Pacers as far as what Chicago got. Um so yeah, I mean, I I think they're definitely um, just as far as their draft and and you know not making a shitty trade. I give them a win for that. Um, how do you see it? Yeah, definitely got a win. I like all the moves they made. Uh, couldn't hurt, you know. They got some added uh, depth at big man because I think that was hurting them for a while there. I don't mm-hmm. think they were best backups in the league because they definitely didn't. Yeah. So now they have some nice young backups there with T.J. Leaf and uh, Enid Mogu. They, they seem like they might be good role players down in the future. I don't know much about Sumner, so I can't tell you much. But if he's a two-way guy, that's, that's, a, that's a win for me, you know. So Indiana gets a win, in my opinion. Yeah, and they, it's not like, you know, they, they just happen to be able to buy the pick. So why not, you know, like, get, like and – We'll we'll get to New Orleans, um, but like if 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 you can get a if you can don't have to give up too much money and you can just buy the, that pick like yeah why not you I mean you have a you have a back you have a third string point guard spot open if you think he could be a contributor yeah go get him like and and so yeah I agree with you I mean I think I think Leaf is a good kind of matchup with Turner he can back up. Um, uh, uh, What's his name for a year? Um, uh, what what the, what the fuck's his name? Uh, Thaddeus Young. He can back up Thaddeus Young for a year, and then you know he gets uh, they get Ike and and Igbogu. We neither one of us can say that damn name. And Igbogu. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, <laughs> and uh, I think yeah, I agree. I think he could be a, a good contributor to center because yeah, they definitely don't have a lot of depth there. Um, they they had like five or four centers last year, four people who could play center, but only one of them could play the position well. So you know if they can get him in there and and he can stay healthy and everything, I think that's a that's a good move. Um, totally. So uh, next up, L.A. Clippers. I think they're my biggest winner, um, simply because they weren't even in the draft, and they somehow managed to get Juwan Evans and. Cinderius Thornwell, like those are just guys who like who knows how they'll end up playing. But as far as like prospects, I couldn't believe Juwan Evans fell to thirty nine. Right, there's an interest. There's an interesting stat on him. In fact, he is. uh, What was it? It's like he is the only um, only player since Chris Paul to like, lead his team to, uh, a, like, a top-ranked offense, and I'm not sure, like, what the cutoff was, but, like, a top-ranked offense 
without having another um, like NBA quality talent on his team, um, something like that. I can't remember. Like I, I should have written it down. But it's like it's something like that that like put him on on par as far as just in college. Um, like Chris Ball was the only other player to be that productive, as productive as Juwan Evans, with no other NBA talent on his team. Um, right. So like, dude, like. Anytime you can like be in, in the same conversation like realistically, and it's not just like a bullshit stat, like. But anytime you can be in the same conversation realistically uh, with Chris Paul, like that's really good. And you know, if the Clippers keep Chris Paul, now he gets to go play with Chris Paul. Like he's the same kind of player. So like, if the Clippers can manage to keep him, he gets to go and play with you know a guy who. I would imagine he just probably looked up to being that they play so similarly. And, like, I think that's such a great fit. And Sundarius Thornwell, man, like, he was definitely one of the, like, big, like, like stars of the NCAA tournament with, you know, South Carolina. And, yeah, I mean, I just I, – I, I can't say enough how much I think that they won this draft um, despite not having a pick in it. What do you think? Uh, I totally agree with you. Uh, I did not expect for him to dip uh, as far as he did, Jawan Evans. I, I did expect him maybe to go late first round and or at yeah. least early second round. And the Clippers came out and stole him. They stole him. I don't know much about Thornwell myself, but I think just on the fact that they got Evans and they got a guy who couldn't potentially either back up Chris Paul or – I mean, if it, it really sucks, depending on what. I don't know what the Clippers are going to do if they don't get Chris Paul back. But I, uh, Juwan Evans is a good start. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Thornwell is just – he's kind of a 3 and D guy. Um, he's not overly tall. I think he's about 6'5". But he can get you some buckets. Um, and if you're losing uh, J.J. Redick, which I think is kind of a foregone conclusion at this point, I don't think you're going to be able to retain him. Um, and, you know, Jamal Crawford's getting a little bit older. Um, I just think it's smart, you know, like take a flyer, you know, pay for like a, you know, pick or, or do, I think, I think one of those, I can't remember which one, but I think one of them was actually like they traded a future second rounder. Um, but nevertheless, like, why not like get yourself a couple guys who you think are going to help your team. Um, and I, I think both of them are, are going to help out a lot as far as their depth, and that's something that they've always had a problem with. Um, and you know, if if Chris Paul does leave, and you you know you're left with Austin Rivers running the offense, like at least you got a guy like Juwan Evans now, who you know you you've got a backup point guard. You know you've got somebody who can come in and play, and should be able to kind of contribute immediately if you need him to. So right. either way, no matter what happens with the Clippers, those picks, nevertheless, are definitely a win for me. Um, all right, next up, the Lakers. So obviously the big news with them, which we went over earlier, was they traded Russell and Moskov for Lopez and the 27 pick. Uh, they got Lonzo Ball with the number two pick. Uh, they got they did some little trade maneuvering in there, and then they ended up getting Josh Hart at number 30 and Thomas Bryant at number 42. I think he's the center out of Indiana. Um, so uh, with the trade, you know, considering both the trade and the draft picks, win, lose, or draw? Uh, I say win. 
I mean, they win. They got Longo Ball. They got the man. They got the ball. And uh, that's what, <laughs> they got they that got, ball. What, they got that ball. They got the ball. And I like Josh. I like the Josh Hart move. So that's really where it comes down to me. If they end up, I think they get a win here, uh, obviously, because that that he Lonzo Ball can potentially be a game changer. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like as much as I'm not necessarily a huge fan of the <clears throat> D'Angelo Russell trade at this given point in time, um, like I don't necessarily think it was a bad trade. Um, I just I don't, I don't necessarily think you have to make it that early. Now, granted, they did get a pick out of it, so that helps. And Brook Lopez, definitely a good player. Like, and the fact that he's an expiring contract, like, there's enough in there for me to be like, yeah, it makes sense. Like, I see why they did it. But like, you just you never know. Like, what if, what if, it's kind of the same thing with the Sixers trading Nerlens Noel. When, you know, the way that Nerlens Noel and Joel Embiid play both offensively and defensively could have worked mm-hmm. very well together, and they never really got a chance to try it out. It's the same thing to me. Like, you never got a chance to be able to see how Ball and Russell would play together. Um, right. And maybe they would have been really good. Like, maybe Russell running the two and Ball running the one, and you don't need D'Angelo Russell at that point to be your leader because you got Ball. You just need him to score you some buckets. And, mm-hmm. you know, that I, I really do. I think that could have worked out. And if it, and if, then if it didn't work out, I feel like this trade would have been available, like, mid-season. Like, you could have done this at any point during the season and still made it work. Um, so I, I do have a, a little bit of an objection to the trade, though. I do realize why they did it. But, yeah, as far as the draft, definitely big wins. I love I, – like, I think Lonzo Ball is going to be the rookie of the year. Um, he very well could be the best player in this draft. Um, uh, as far as Hart, I, I love that pickup. Uh, I'm a big, big fan of Josh Hart. I think he's going to be a really solid NBA player. Um, I kind of see him having the, the upside of being like a very solid role-playing starter on a on a on a good team um, at some point in his career. Um, I think he has that much potential. Uh, obviously, he'll never be a superstar, but, you know, right, don't need him to be. Right. Um, and then, you know, Thomas Bryant, uh, at 42, that's not bad. Um, they didn't really need a center. I maybe would have tried to see if I could have found, you know, a different, uh, maybe another shooting guard. And interestingly enough, like, Cinderius Thornwell went 48, and they took Bryant at 42. Um, you have three centers on your roster. You don't need to take a center. I feel like the the only reason that they did do that is because they're fully they're kind of maybe thinking ahead, and they kind of expect that maybe they'll cut Carrick Black, and obviously, um, you know, obviously um, Lopez isn't going to be on the team for very long. Um, so you know, maybe that's why they took him. Maybe they're maybe even going to try to move Brook Lopez. Um, you know, maybe even before the season starts or sometime mid-season or something like that. So maybe that's why they went ahead and took him. Um, but I, I do think maybe adding another shooting guard for a little bit more depth there would have been uh, probably the better thing to do. But nevertheless, um, all in all, I, I got to give him a win. I mean, you got Josh uh, – I'm sorry, Lonzo Ball and Josh Hart. 
um, two players I like a lot. So uh, Memphis, the Grizzlies, Memphis. Uh, another team who didn't have any picks in this draft, and yet they come right. away with Ivan Rabb at 35 and Dylan Brooks mm-hmm. at 45. Um, you know, I got I got to give that a win. I think that's a good move. Ivan Rabb can play the four and the five. Dylan Brooks can play the three and the four. Um, so they're, you know, pretty versatile players. I don't think either one of them is going to be great, but I think both of them could be really solid bench players if everything goes right for them. And, you know, they have a lot of flux going on with that lineup. They're already really high in payroll. Michael Green's a free agent. Zach Randolph is a free agent. I don't know if you mm-hmm. want to put pony up the money to bring them back. So go ahead and get you a couple people who can help fill out that roster and maybe, you know, um, you can plug them in to the hole that you don't want to fill with those expiring contracts. Hmm. Gotcha. I I, uh, I like it. I think it's a win, too. I like uh, It went from having no picks to Ivan Rabb. A guy that was a potential lottery pick last year. So yeah. that's a win in my book. <laughs> you know, that's, yeah. that's all that. That's all it is for me. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a perfect way to put it. That is absolutely right. Uh, so Miami Heat, only one pick for them as well. Bam Adebayo, number 14. You called it win, lose, or draw. Yeah. <laughs> all right, man, it's a win. It's a man. It's a big man right there. I like I like Bam. So I call I call it a win. Whether it's next to Hawaii Hassan or or to back up Hassan, which is probably what's going to happen, that's a win because they didn't really have a backup, a solidified backup in Miami. So now they technically do. Yeah, they have that. Uh, what's his name? Willie Willie Reed, I think was his name. Yeah, Willie he played. Yeah, yeah, but he's. I think he's. I think he's out. Like I think his contract yeah. expired. Um, right. So. So, yeah, why not bring in Bam Adebayo to back up, to back him up? You could probably play him on the floor at the same time, like, depending right. on who you're playing against for, you know, four to six minutes a, a night, you know. Um, so, I mean, definitely not something you want to – is going to work most of the time, but, it, you know, it can work for certain lineups that you're going against. Mm-hmm. Um, and, oh. and, yeah, you know, Bam didn't get a whole lot of action, as a lot of people don't in Kentucky. Um, but obviously, um, his skill set is there. Obviously, uh, they were impressed with him. They took him there. Uh, I mean, I- I'm going to give it a draw just because I'm not sold on Bam, and I, I had him ranked a lot lower on my board. Um, but it's-, it's hard to ever, it's hard to ever look at Pat Riley and be like, you don't know what you're doing, motherfucker. <laughs> like, he's Pat Riley, you know. So, um, so yeah, I'll give it a draw. I, I'll give it a wait and see, you know. So that's why I got to give it a draw on that that's one. That's fine. Um, so uh, Milwaukee Bucks were next. Uh, they got DJ Wilson at number seventeenth, and an ongoing attempt to get even more length on their roster. Uh, and then they got ended up getting um, fuel. Uh, I think they they like traded a pick or sold a pick and then traded to get one back or whatever. Some like maneuvering going on, but they ended up with Sterling Brown at uh number 46 for their second pick, uh, on that, uh, win, lose, or draw. I'm gonna go win. Cause I like DJ Wilson. I think he's going to fit like in really well on the mm-hmm. bus. So it just, he just like, he fits. He just fits. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, he's a perfect pick for them. Um, 
there were a couple people that I kind of had right in there. And I was honestly kind of expecting Josh Jackson for that same reason. Like, if you had Josh Jackson on a team and he could play the two and the three for them, um, especially, like, if you could put Josh Jackson at the two at six foot eight with his wingspan, like, that would just be, like, have him back up, you know, um, uh, uh, Dan, what's his name? Um, oh, the guy I always talk to, Chris Middleton. Oh, I love Chris oh. Middleton. I can't believe I forgot his name. Yeah. My bad, Chris. Um, but, yeah, like, in that situation. But, um, but nevertheless, obviously, uh, you know, Sacramento traded down. He wasn't available. Um, so I thought DJ Wilson was a good pick for them. Um, again, I agree with you. Great wings. Um, I, I don't know much about Sterling Brown. Um, I, uh, he, he had been climbing up the boards in, in recent weeks on a lot of people's right. boards. And so I, I kind of looked into him a little bit, um, but I still, like, I didn't really see any of him throughout the year. Um, so I just don't know that much about him. Um, but as far as, you know, just DJ Wilson, I'll give him a win on that. I think, like you said, he just fits their system. He's perfect for their system. Right. And not to mention with um, with their dude, uh, Jabari Parker, out for the beginning of the season, like first half of the season, it's good to get a right. player like DJ Wilson who can come in and you can still run your offense just the same way you would with Jabari Parker, just with DJ Wilson getting a few less touches. Right. Totally agree. Yep. Uh, Minnesota. Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, uh, I mean, if if the Clippers, you know, I, I gave them my biggest winner um, just because I, I love the fact that they were able to get two guys that I really liked and didn't even have a draft pick. But I think if you, you're going to give, like, anybody the universal biggest winner, it's got to be Minnesota. Um, if you, I mean, you get Jimmy Butler, you win the draft. Like that's, <laughs> that's, that's just how it is. Um, so they give up, uh, of course, Zach Levine, Chris Dunn, number seven for Jimmy Butler and number 16. Um, now granted they drafted Justin Patton with number 16. I did not like that draft pick at all. So that, that is kind of maybe the one little thing that I would hold against them. But nevertheless, they got Jimmy Butler, big winners. Um, you tell me why you thought they won. <laughs> Other than just the obvious thing, getting Jimmy Butler. <laughs> it's just based on the draft, the fact that they were they got Jimmy Butler and still had a lottery pick. Well, not a lottery pick, but a draft pick. But close to it, to yeah. Right, close enough to it. The fact that they got yeah. Jimmy Butler and still had a really good first-round pick in the process, it turned out to be Patton, which we don't know much about. I mean, we know, but we don't know what, what he's going to do long-term. But they got themselves a young center, and that's really what it comes down to. And it works. It just works. They won. They won the draft, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, you know what? I was kind of thinking about, like, if I had been in their position, I probably would have tried to trade that 16 down. Um, just because, I mean, they didn't really need a center, especially not an offensive center. And Justin Patton is an offensive center. Um, that's kind of the last thing you need on that team. You already have an offensive center. <laughs> Uh, and you have right. Gordy Jang who can play the center, um, and you know Cole Aldridge. You know he's not giving you more than ten minutes a game, but um, but you didn't need that. I I probably would have like traded down, like maybe see if you could have traded sixteen to um, Orlando for like twenty five and uh, thirty five, which they traded both of those picks anyway. You know what I mean? Right. Um, 
and then you and then you would have a little more flexibility, and you could have taken like a, a two and a three to back up Butler and Wiggins. Um, it kind of just just made more sense to me to try to do as much as you can do in the draft to fill out your roster. Um, but I think you know once once you already go through all the motions of getting Jimmy Butler and everything, I could kind of understand why that takes up so much of your time. Maybe you don't have time still to you know try to get back on the phone and, and make everything else work that you're trying to get done. So, um, so, you know, I can understand how that didn't end up happening. Um, and, and, you know, to be fair, there weren't really any twos and threes on the board anywhere close to the number 16 pick. They had already either been taken or the ones that were left were not even close to that high on the board. So, you know, if you're, if you, right. if you're just going to take who you think is the best player available, Justin Patton fits, somewhere in that frame um, as far as just quality talent. Um, so I can't really fault them there, but um, it'll be interesting to see what they do in free agency to try and fill out this roster and, you know, see how they can, you know, make it all work. Because um, the last thing you want is to get a superstar, but then not have any depth. Like they need to make sure they can still get depth and they don't own their first round pick next year. That's ours. That's my hops. Um, assuming they make the playoffs, which I think at this point, I'm, I am assuming they will make the playoffs. So, yeah. um, especially with the West kind of, and just the whole league in general in flux. Like it, it seems like it seems like a lot of these these teams that are pretty good are not going to be good anymore, and then the teams that are good are going to get better. Because um, that's where the league's at right now. Where we don't have a lot of parity, um, so you know I think you'll see, you know the Spurs get better, you'll see Cleveland get better, you'll see Boston get better. But that means you'll see the Clippers get worse, or you know maybe Toronto or whoever ends up going. You know maybe you see Houston get better. You're gonna see the you know six best teams in the league get better, but you're gonna see everybody else um, in the middle of that get worse. And then you'll see the teams at the bottom continue to progress. Um, so, which is, you know, in my opinion, that is not necessarily a bad thing because I would rather see, uh, I'd rather see five or six teams that could potentially win a seven game series and then have a bunch of teams in the middle that suck. Um, after that, than having just two teams that could potentially win a series and then having, you know, a bunch of teams in the middle that are good. Uh, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that's like? Wouldn't you rather have like at the at the sacrifice of having, I guess, more shitty teams? At least you have enough teams who can give Golden the Golden States and the Clevelands, you know, a run for their money. No, yeah, I agree with that. I can't disagree with that at all. I want. I just need parity. God damn it. That's all I need. I hate being yeah. one sided. You know. Yeah, at least parity at the top. I guess the thing, like, you know, with with years in the past, like, people, you know, they'll say, well, you know, you had dynasties, you've always had dynasties, and that's true, but, like, you know, you also had great rivalries, you know, in those conferences, you know, like Detroit and Boston. Like, Detroit and Boston was, like, a great rivalry, you know, that's the, the you know, the classic, and now there's a steal by bird, you know, that game well, in 87, like, like that, like, Detroit could have easily won that series. And then, you know, Boston doesn't go and play, you know, the Lakers again for the, like, like fourth time or whatever, what, third time, I think. Um, 
so like yeah, like it, it's I think it's it's important to have at least four, if not five or six teams at the top of the league that can compete. And I'm hoping that <clears throat> this year's free agency will kind of work itself out that way so that we get that again. Yeah, I agree. Totally agree with that. Totally. Yeah. Word. Uh, all right, moving on. We got the New Orleans Pelicans next. Uh, so they're kind of strange because <laughs> uh, they didn't have a first-round pick. Obviously, that went to Sacramento. So they traded Tim Frazier for their number for a number 52 pick, which, okay, like, I, I don't necessarily, like, understand that. But, I mean, I think I think Tim Frazier is a really good player. Like, I think he, oh, he like, stepped in and played very well last year when Holiday was, um, I think, early on in the season. His wife had uh, had some kind of health problems. And so he yeah. had to, like, step away to take care of his, his family. And Frazier stepped in and he played well. He played really well. And um, even when Holiday came back and after the boogie trade, because they had so few, um, such, like, few players, like, wing players as far as depth, like, they even had to play him and Holiday kind of side-by-side side together at the end of the year. And it was it was at least somewhat effective. Um like, it was more effective than when they were trying to start uh, H1 more. Um, so, for them to trade him, I could understand, but for them to trade him for a number 52 pick, I don't get that at all. Um, like, at all, at all. <laughs> and then, furthermore, so they take, I think they got, like, the number 40 pick. They draft Bacon, and then they trade Bacon for Frank Jackson from Charlotte. Um, which I think that was a good trade. But then when they draft Edmund Sumner at 52, they just sell him or sell his contract or the rights to his contract over to Indiana. Like, what are you doing? You need depth. You literally have, like, I think 11 people on your roster, maybe 12 people on your roster going into next season. You have, like, a couple people, like, you need to resign. I don't know. I think it's, like, 10. Um, And, like, Three of them are guys who can't even play. It's like Quincy Pondexter, uh, 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 Alexis Ajinka, and uh, Omar Ashik. Like, they're taking up, like, I don't know, like, probably $15 million of your of your roster in, in contract, and they're not doing jack shit. <laughs> and you're trading away draft picks? Like, that shit doesn't make any sense to me. What do you think about it all? No, I don't make any type of sense to me. I don't know what New Orleans is trying to do. I do, I do think Frank Jackson, based on just getting Frank Jackson, I thought it was a good move for them. But on that alone, they, they need more than that. I mean, I mean, like you said, they just they had picks, gave it away. I'm like, I don't know why you're doing that. I don't have no idea what they're. I mean, I know they want Drew Holiday back, so I know that's their big game. Bring back Drew to play to play with the big boys, which I think in the end they will. I think he'll end up in staying in New Orleans, but I don't. But they should have gotten more assets than they did, you know? That's kind of why. Yeah. Yeah, and my thing is this. Like, mm-hmm. I would have I would have liked the Frank Jackson if they just kept him Frazier, especially considering mm-hmm. they just sold the rights to the 50-second pick. Like, if they had taken Bacon at 40 and somehow worked out a deal to get to get Frank Jackson, because Frank Jackson yeah. is like a combo guard. Like, he's not really a point guard. Um, like per se, like I don't think he's like an NBA point guard. 
Um, but like, if you could have gotten him, if you could have gotten both of them, or rather kept Frazier as your backup point guard, and then you got Frank Jackson, who could be like your third string, but they can also play a little two guard. Um, like that, that I would be cool with, you know, because like they need they need some depth at that position. Um, and honestly, I I probably I would be cool if they had just kept Edmund Sumner and uh, Dwayne Bacon, like. Uh, that that I would have been fine with, um, but like for them to for them to basically come out of the draft, go go into the draft with a pick, and then come out of the draft with the same amount of players on your roster when you went into the draft <laughs> doesn't make any right. goddamn sense when you need players. Um, so yeah, I don't. I mean, I feel, you know who I feel for. Everybody says Anthony Davis. Man, I feel for Boogie Cousins because he went from one <laughs> fucking disorganizational franchise to another, and like I just feel bad for the man. I mean, he he gets a lot of bad rap, man, but he's actually like from everything I've seen, he's he's a little immature, and he, he's it, like I some of his antics, he bitches and whines a little too much, but he's a really really good dude, like really stand up guy. Was like always made a lot of like donations around Sacramento and like most of them never even went public because he wasn't trying to like be the type of person to like get all the attention for it. Like, um, but, but yeah, man, it's just, I feel bad for him, but luckily free agency's coming up. So, uh, I, and interestingly enough, um, I don't think there's any chance in hell he stays there because he doesn't, he like, and I could be wrong, but like, because we only got a small sample size from last year, I don't think he and Anthony Davis is going to work out. I just don't see it. Uh-huh. I don't see. There's two. They're too similar. Like their team. Like they. They actually like perform better um, when either one or the other is on the floor. Like throughout but, since they got Cousins from last year, they play better when only one of the two is on the floor. And like but, you can't. Like it's just like. Just like the Cavs in the playoffs, if you can't play your best with your best three people on the floor, then obviously you don't have the right three people together. Yeah, totally. I I get it. I I think they could work. I I mean, they're too talented not to work. Well, at least you think they are. But I don't know. I think they need more time. I don't want to just say it's not going to work yet. It's still too early for me to say that. Well, I think you have to go through the season. Like, I mean, you got to go through the whole season and, yep. you know, try to work it out. And, you know, if it doesn't work, take the L, he'll walk, and then you tried. You know, I, I, I definitely don't fault the Pelicans for trying um, at all. Because, I mean, I think if you can get somebody who's as talented as DeMarcus Cousins for, you know, what little they had to give up, they didn't have to give up that much to get him. Um, I think you have to do it absolutely have to do it. Um, so I think, I think you just try, hopefully it works. And if it doesn't, cause it's probably walks and then you're left right back where you started, but at least you tried. And then at that point, right. you know, Anthony Davis is probably the most valuable, um, trading asset in the NBA. And you'll still have two years to find the perfect trade that can start right. a rebuild. So, right. Let's let's see. I mean, hopefully it'll work out, but it'll be interesting. Time will tell. Um, all right. Next is your beloved New York Knicks. 
They took Frank Dorchina yeah. at number eight. They took Damian yeah. Dobson at number 44. And they took some mm-hmm. motherfucker whose name I can't pronounce at 58. Um, all right. Cool. Uh, say that five times fast. <laughs> um, so, um, uh, yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, win, lose, or draw, what do you think for your Knicks? Are you happy? Are you happy? Yeah, I'm fine with it. Yeah, I'm happy. I think there was a win. I think you got to give them a – I think you got to give them a win because they didn't trade Persingas, right? Yeah, easily. That's the first thing. (laughs) They didn't trade Porzingis. And they walked away with good talent. I like Frank Nelikina. I think he's going to be a good player. I like Damian Johnson falling that far down. I did not – I, I don't even know him that well, but I, I like what I see. And it's same thing with uh, Hiramis. I don't know much about him, but what I've seen, I do like. So I can't complain. I guess we'll see more of him in the summer league. I can't wait to see what they can do, you know? Absolutely. My thing with them, I don't know that much about them either. I had both of them way further down on my boards. Um, mm-hmm. Damian Dotson less so than Yarmas. Um Right. But I will Never say this. Yeah, I mean, I, I had – he was, like, in the 90s for me. Um, so, But, I mean, there were a couple of teams who took players that were in the 90s for me. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously, you know, all the boards are different. Um, and, right. you know, I'm He's not out there player. scouting these guys all the time. So, um, right. a lot of mine is, you know, opinions based off other people's opinions. Um, right. So – but what I do think, I do really like Frank Nilakina. I do like that they address positional needs. Um, and they took some gambles on those positional needs on, like, yep. on all spectrums. Like, every single one of their picks is a gamble. Like, none of them, I don't think any one of those picks were the, the like, surefire picks that most right. people would have taken at those positions. So right. they could ultimately backfire. I don't think Frank Nilakina will at all. In fact, I loved um, – did you see what uh, – who was it? Oh, Rudy Gobert. Did you see what Rudy Gobert tweeted about that uh, that board that said yeah. – um, that said it was, he was, there was a 59% chance of, his, of him being a bust? Yeah, I saw that. That was funny. Yeah. Well, it, but did, yeah, did you see what Rudy Gobert said, though? He said – you draw, your bust rate goes up like fifty percent when you're from Europe. So like yeah, that. exactly. <laughs> yeah, because they just don't know you. Like they, I yeah, loved it because when, when we saw that board, we said the same thing. Like, we, yeah, I bet they were saying the same thing about Antetokounmpo a few years back. Like, right, right. Um, so yeah, I mean, I got a lot of faith in Frank. He's probably my fifth favorite player in this draft. Um, so like, yeah, I, I I think it was a great pick at number eight. Um, I think he fits what they're doing there, and I think he's adaptable. Um, you know, I, I heard Frank Isola saying recently that um, one of his big concerns is that they're going to take, you know, they're going to take these guys who fit the triangle, and then, you know, eventually Phil's going to, you know, his contract's going to run up and it's not going to be renewed or he gets fired or whatever. And then you've got all these guys who have been running this system, and then they'll bring other people in. Well, Frank Milikina and Chris Ops Porzingis, the two players that you are going to be building around for your future are two of the highest IQ players you can imagine. They will be able to adapt 
to a simple basketball system after Phil is gone and they're not running a complicated basketball system like the triangle. Like, I have no fear about that whatsoever. I think they're going to adapt fine to whatever system they're put in. They're both high IQ guys. Um, And uh, did you, by the way, did you watch the E60 on Kristoff? I haven't yet, no. Oh, man, it's really good. You you should definitely check it out. I enjoyed it. I saw it this morning. It's really good. He's a he's a very charming uh, person, like, and, and he's got, like, a really cool backstory. Um, so, yeah, definitely check it out. I, I very much enjoyed it. Um, but, yeah, so I, I'm with you. I, I give him a win, um, or at least a draw. I, I mean, I give him a win simply because of Neil Akina and because I'm so high on him. The other two guys, they're really risky, but – you know, maybe they pan out. We'll see. Uh, I like what I see. Yeah, man. Hey, and and if that's if you're a fan and you feel that way, like that's a good sign. You know. So. Right. Um. All right. OKC only one draft pick. They draft Ferguson. I, I can't get. It's, man, it's kind of hard. I I'm just gonna go ahead and give them a loss, uh, simply because you only have one pick. You need to make your roster better because. Russell Westbrook's not going to put up with not competing in the playoffs for much longer. If if maybe only one more season, um, I don't think you can just rely on on you know him being the guy and all that. Um, and I think that there's a chance he could walk. I would have tried to take somebody who I thought could help impact the team immediately, like a Shimmy Ojale. Um So I'm going to give him an L. What do you think? Joel. All right. Well, we're just going to go on, and hopefully Joel will be back in a second. Uh, so Orlando, they uh, they did some complicated moving around. Uh, they traded the number 25 pick to Philadelphia for OKC's 2020 first-round pick. However, it's top 20 protected, and if it does not convey in 2020, uh, it becomes a second-round pick. Uh, so they basically more than likely traded the number 25 pick in the draft for a future second-round pick. That makes absolutely no sense to me. That is stupid. Uh, however, the two people that they did end up taking in the draft, Jonathan Isaac at number six and Wesley Uwundu at 33, I very much like. Um, I think those were both tremendous picks. I uh, I think that they really, um, you know, really – Scored big on that one, Joel. What do you think about that? Uh, I don't hate it. <laughs> like, no, nah, I like it a lot. <laughs> they want help. <laughs> no, nah, I do. I mean, he has a lot of upside. I mean, super, super duper upside. Wundu too was a high round second rounder. I mean, a high touted, highly touted second round uh, choice. So mm-hmm. that's a that's an easy win for me. When it comes yeah, yeah. The only thing that gets under my skin is trading that twenty-five pick. Like I don't mind them trading it, but what they got back for it just makes absolutely no sense to me. Like it's a two thousand twenty top twenty first round protected pick, and mm-hmm. you don't know yeah, where the Thunder are going to be in three years. Um, and if you, it's not mm-hmm. one. It's not like it's a. <laughs> it's a. It's a first round pick that carries over. If if it doesn't convey in 2020, it becomes a second round pick or maybe two second round picks. But nevertheless, like you don't trade a number 25 pick for something that not only like so not only is it, it it's top 20 protected, 
So the best case scenario out of it is that you get the number 21 overall pick in 2020. So you're you're moving up four spots potentially at best um, three years from now. That makes no sense to me. That is that's idiotic. Um, but you know they got a new GM in there. Maybe maybe he wasn't familiar with all the protections of the pick. I don't know. But as far as the guys they got, I'm with you. I think. I, I, I'm going to give them a draw just because I feel like they mismanaged. I, th- I feel like they could have managed all of their picks and assets better in that draft. Um, but I do like Jonathan Isaac a lot, and I do like Wesley Owundu. So, um, personally, I'll give them a draw. Um, the win. All right. The we win. Get, yeah, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Agree to disagree. Um, semantics, man. Semantics. I'm mostly there with you on this. Um, all right, we got about 20 minutes left. We got about a few teams, so we'll try to knock these out quick. Uh, we got Philadelphia. Number they, you know, did the whole uh, trade swap to get Markel Fultz. Uh, then they did the uh, the trade uh, with the aforementioned Orlando to get Anzes Pesniks, uh, something like yeah. that. Uh, they took J- Jonah Bolden at 36 and Matthias Lasort at 50. They took another guy but traded him. Um, Huge win. Huge win. They got Martel Fultz. He fits their system perfectly. And then they got three guys they can stash because they got such a busy roster right now. I think it was very important for them. If they weren't going to try to like package these picks and trade up or do whatever, then they needed to get people they could stash, like all foreign players, so they can stash all of them. Um, they might bring up Pesniks immediately. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, but he's the other guy from Latvia. He's the guy who played with Kristaps. Um, but, uh, but yeah. you know, maybe they wait a year on him and try to work something out with Okafor and get rid of Okafor. Um, that's probably what I would do. Uh, just buy yourself some extra time with him. Um, but, yeah, I think it's a big win for them. If You know, for no other reason, Marco Fultz, but I like their other picks too. And Matthias Lasort at number 50 is a bargain. That guy is a beast. A beast, mark my word. Um so yeah, Joel, obvious win, right? Oh yeah, I mean without a doubt. Now, Markel Fultz right there, uh, like you said, Lasort. I've seen some highlights of his that I like. I don't know much about any of the other guys aside from Markel Fultz and um, Pozesnik, mainly because I know he played with Porzingis. But aside from that, you know, Markel Fultz, man, you got the best player in the draft, basically. I mean that's debatable, but in my opinion, he's up there. You got the best prospect in the draft. That is not debatable. That, okay, that's exactly. So there you go. That that's definitely yeah. number may one. Yeah, may or may not be the best that's, player, but yeah. Right. Oh well, yeah, we don't know. We won't. We don't know until a couple of years from now who the actual best right. player is. But as of right, best prospect, and he fits yeah. the Philadelphia 76ers to a T. Exactly. So uh, easy. Yeah, and like I'm just excited. The Sixers have sucked for so long. As you know, they're my yeah. second favorite team. I like. I, I can't wait to see what they're able to do, and I'm hoping like I'm hoping the NBA scheduling wizards like get them some games because they didn't get very many games last year, and I you know would constantly see like these highlights of these games because um, I mean I'm on a league pass, so I'm like either trying to like watch games on YouTube uh, or I don't do that maybe, nice. um, and. Uh, and or you know trying to catch them on you know whatever stations are airing them in a given night, so you don't catch a lot of Sixers games. I'm hoping that changes this year because they're probably going to be pretty fucking fun to watch. Uh, of course, if they can stay healthy. Uh, Phoenix, 
Phoenix drafts Josh Jackson number four, Davon Reed at 32, and Alec Peters at number 54. Uh, I got to give that a win. You got Josh Jackson at number four. A lot of people said he was the best prospect in the draft. Well, not a lot, but a few people said he was the best prospect in the draft. Um, so to get him at number four, A, is is a really good deal, and B, it just goes to show how, how much depth is at every level of this draft, not just at the top, not just at the middle, um, but even into, you know, some of the late 30s, early 40s picks. Um, and, you know, I don't know a lot about Davon Reed. I, I feel like 32 is a little high for him, but they needed a shooting guard to back up um, their guy uh, there in Booker. Um, so that kind of makes sense to me. Alec Peters, uh, power forward. They didn't really need another power forward, but um, – I probably would have taken a center, but at 54, you're so limited. You're probably just going to take whoever you think is the best player left on the board there. So can't fault but, him for that. i got to give him a win. What do you think? That's an easy win. They got another guy that you might arguably is the best player. might be the best player overall in the end. We don't know. But Josh yeah. Jackson is the dude, and they got him at four. So they got him anyway. And again – yeah, and just like Philly, he's the perfect fit for them because they lack in defense because Booker's not a defender, and this guy is a fucking pit bull. Right. He fits perfectly. So that's exactly what they need, and they got exactly what they want, and they got one of the best players in the draft. So easy win. Yeah, yeah. And they'll be another exciting team to watch. It'll It'll be interesting to see what they do. Uh, with yeah. Bledsoe going forward. I still think they should keep him for at least another year and see what they can get with this lineup. But um, Or at least wait. Like, don't don't rush to trade him. Wait until the, the right trade comes along. Um, right. But, uh, but yeah, I'm excited. I mean, uh, I was we were talking about some potential trades the other day, and, you know, I had said they had three uh, lottery picks. Actually, I have four because um, Booker, yeah. Booker was a lottery pick. So they got Booker, Jackson, Bender, and Chris now all within like a three-year span. Like that is a good core to build around. So it'll be exciting, man. I, I, I look forward to seeing how this team shakes out going forward. Um, and I hope well, Bender can make a big step this year. It'll be interesting to see if they can work him into the lineup a little more. Um, all right. Yeah, yeah, give him some minutes. Uh, so Portland, the next uh, – so basically they, their big – trade was trading up fifth, uh, number 15 and number 20 for the number 10 pick. And then they drafted uh, Zach Collins at number 10 and Caleb Swanigan at number 26. Uh, big win. Uh, you needed some power forward and center depth because uh, I assume you're going to cut his Ely uh, because he can do jack shit for you last year and otherwise he's going to cost you like 7 or $8 million. So, uh, so you cut him and you bring in Zach Collins to replace him. Uh, and then, you know, Caleb Swanigan is, you know, a guy who can come in and, you know, kind of make an immediate impact and play both those guys, Collins and, and Swanigan, can play the four and the five and give them a lot more versatility down there. Um, so they address needs and got two really good value players at the picks. They didn't reach down to get those uh, those picks. Um, they just cost them, you know, 15 to 20 to move up to take Collins, but I would I would do that in a heartbeat, given their position. Uh, so, yeah, big win for me on Portland. What do you think? I say draw, because I wasn't a super 
enthusiastic about their picks. Uh, I know they were good ones. I like Zach Collins, even Caleb Swanigan I like, but I don't know more consistently enough next to Nurkic, in my opinion. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? It's just weird. The, the small ball way, they're not small ball bigs, so it's kind of redundant to get both of them. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe in small spurs you can have a Collins there at the four or at the five, and the same thing with Caleb. But at the same, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say I love it. I do like it, and well, I'll say it's a draw for me. Yeah, here's here's my thing. Um, I do agree with you in the sense that I don't think either one of them necessarily pairs that well with um, Nurkic. I think they pair well together, though. Like I think Maybe. Collins and Swanigan pair well together because again. Collins is kind of more of – he's taller, and he's got the length to be able to, to kind of protect the paint, um, but he's also right. got the range to be able to step out and hit threes. And then Swanigan right. is stronger and has got more of that, like, double-double rebounding kind of balance, but he doesn't quite have the length to be as good of a paint protector. Um, so I think you're going to see a lot of combos like that, especially as these these really tall guys continue to be, like, really good shooters. And if you can get, like, even smaller but stronger athletic guys to pair next to them who don't have as much range, it, you just want to have at least one big with range. It doesn't matter whether it's your center or whether it's your power forward. Um, but I right. do agree with you. I don't think Nurkic and Collins works because Nurkic doesn't quite have that enough athleticism. And then nope. if you put him with Swanigan, Swanigan doesn't have enough range. So, like, either way, I, I, I do agree in that sense that that doesn't quite work. Yeah, that's my only thing there because they really do need to find other bigs to help them out because, like, Ed Davis and um, who else did they have? Noah, Noah Vonley and Noah Vonley. Uh, Aminu. Yeah. I like Alfred Aminu because he's versatile. He can play the three and the four. But to me, Vonley and Ed Davis haven't worked out in Portland, so I just think – uh, maybe these two guys can invigorate that bench. And uh, I don't know. Myers yeah. Leonard had moments too. I like him, but I don't, I don't know. It's just weird. I, they have to solidify. They got to figure out where, where these guys are well, to be used. Yeah. Their biggest thing is they don't have a standout. They don't have a standout. Right. Like Nurkic played well at the end of last season. So maybe he can step it up and, and continue that this season. I still think, man, sign and trade, sign and trade for Millsap. Like I'm all up for it. Like um, give me some, give me some picks, give me something. Like and we'll send you Millsap and we'll take a couple of contracts that you don't want. And like I feel like that deal can work. Um, and I think Millsap would work perfectly with Nurkic. Um, but you know, we'll see. Uh, San Antonio Spurs, uh, they get Derek White at 29 and Jaron Blossom game at 59. Just both quality picks. Like, both really, really good picks, um, which shouldn't be surprising. I don't think the Spurs ever lose in a draft. <laughs> like, and they never pick high either. They all, they never pick any higher than, like, 27. Like, but they always get Bro. good players. And they always get the best out of those players. It's true. I like Derek White. I, I liked him a lot. I liked mm-hmm. him when uh, when they were or like when he was up. I, I thought he was the best player available, at least in, ter- in terms of guards, more so than um, Evans at the time for them. Because mm-hmm. it just made too much sense for me for them not to take him there, considering they don't know if Ginobili's coming back. Uh, they don't know what, if they're going to trade Danny Green yet. We, they don't know what's going to happen with uh, 
Oh my God, what's his name? Point guard. Uh, the, the Australian kid. What's his name? Oh Mom. yeah, uh, Mills. Patty Mills. Mills. Patty Mills. Yeah. So like, there's a whole bunch of iffy ifs on the guard positions, aside from their rookie who they can't trust yet. So yeah, I like Derek White. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do too. I think it's interesting. Uh, there was a some word. Uh, I don't even remember where I heard it, but there is a word that um. Uh, Los Angeles was going to take him, um, mm-hmm. but because they moved, they traded number twenty-eight for number thirty and number forty-two. I think um, they thought mm-hmm. he would fall to thirty, <laughs> and then San Antonio jumped in and took him. I mean, they ended up with Josh Hart, so obviously they made the decision with the rationalization that, well, if we don't get White, we'll get Hart, and so we're good either way. Um, but I do think that's funny that they they were. There's, it's at least floating out there that they were interested in Derek White as well. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I like the picks. And Jaron Blossom game, like, he's he's not an overly great player, but, like, perfect kind of player for pop system. He goes in there. I'm sure they're going to get the absolute best out of him. Um, and he, again, positional need. He fills that wing. He fills that three. You're probably not getting Ginobili back like you can – you can give him 10 minutes a game, develop him throughout the season, just like you did Deontay Murray this year. Right. So, yeah, like it. Uh, Toronto, OG Ananobi was their only pick at number 23. Um, I think we're both in agreement here. That's a win. Uh, very quality player, fell a lot further than he should uh, because of his injuries. And, you know, they they have a lot of depth as it is, so why not take a guy for the long term because you're already pretty much sewn up for the short term. No, yeah, you're, you're totally. I, I, I was saying it that day that uh, OG makes sense there because they're still a playoff, te- technically a playoff team, and he, mm-hmm. this guy can come in and be a, an uh, automatic uh, injector of energy as soon as he's available to play. But the problem is you're going to have to wait. And I think they have the ability to wait, whereas some teams mm-hmm. either you're going to build and wait a year for him or whatever, and you're a young team or you're a playoff team on the brink, and this guy comes in out of nowhere to inject some energy, and that that's a bigger that's a bigger boost for me, you know. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I hadn't even considered that, but like they don't need him to make the playoffs throughout the regular season, and if you can get him in at the tail end of the regular season for like maybe the right. last. 15 games, 20 games, like after the all-star break. Um, if he can come back by then and you can work him into the lineup, like, why not? Like, like why not go on some pick like that? Like, no matter what happens, I mean, even if they, they – I mean, unless they just lose everybody who's a free agency this year, like, if Lowry walks and Patterson walks and, you know, uh, Ibaka – like, if all those guys walk, yeah, they might not make the playoffs, but they might still. The East isn't that good. Like, I mean, you you still have a, a reasonably decent roster there. Um, and, you know, Norman Powell, man, I'm really high on that kid. He's he's a really good player. It'll be like interesting to see if they, they try to trade him or not. We'll see. I like him too. Yeah, good player. All right, uh, next is Utah Jazz. Uh, so they trade uh, number 24 pick in Trey Lyles for the number 13 pick with which they took Donovan Mitchell. Uh, then at 28, they took Tony Bradley. And then at uh, 55, they took Nigel Williams-Goss. Love it. Huge win for the Utah Jazz. They got a shooting guard. 
which they're probably going to need because they're going to have to move Rodney Hood over to small forward uh, when What's-His-Name leaves. And And Tony Bradley, uh, solid backup center, like, Go ahead and, and, and snag him, get him in there working behind uh, the Frenchman. And then uh, Nigel Williams-Goss, uh, I'm not I'm not in love with Nigel Williams-Goss, but at 55, uh, get yourself a backup point guard. Um, you know, that's that's not necessarily a huge loss for me either. Um, hopefully they can re-sign, um, at least they can re-sign George Hill, because I think George Hill really works well for them. Like, he's like a, such a good fit for that for that offense and that coach and everything else. Um, but nevertheless, I think they covered all their bases. They got they got good players, so if they can bring those guys back, they can work together. But they also like have kind of set themselves up for success if those other two if those two key free agents uh, walk. What do you think? No, I totally agree. Um, I like Donovan Mitchell a lot. Tony Bradley, I don't know much about. I know he's a center. He'll probably end up being a backup. I don't know much about Nigel Willem-Goss either. But Donovan Mitchell is the key. He was the he was the point guard for um for uh, Gonzaga. Yeah, I, I remember. He's, I mean, he's not bad. I like him. And right now yeah. they they don't have a their point guard, their point guard spot is a little up in flux because they don't know what's gonna happen with George Hill and uh, uh, what's his name. Um, Exum, him. I like Exum, and then he kind of has been a bust so far, and a lot of it has to be yeah. injury. But I really like, I like them both. So I mean, I really want to see, and I think I think if Dante Exum, if this is his year to to shine, I think a good compliment is Donovan Mitchell. So I like it. Yeah. Good. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I mean, they're both kind of high athletic guys, um, high intensity guys. Um, so yeah, I mean, I could I could kind of feed off each other's energy and kind of working together. And you know, if if George Hill does leave, you might as well put the ball in Exum's hand, see what happens. Um, you still got Rodney Hood who can come over and play the three. You still got Gobert at the five, um, and you know, uh, you still got. Um, uh, Favors at the four, um, so you got you got some good players there. That I I think they got enough to be able to make things work there. Uh, and then finally, the Washington Wizards, uh, they didn't they, they weren't involved in the draft because they traded their 52nd and only pick for Tim Frazier, but they got a good backup point guard. Tim Frazier, I like Tim Frazier, and you know they they had Brandon Jennings on a on a you know rental. Uh, when he got cut from the Knicks last year, and that was that was a good pickup for them. Um, but obviously, you know, they weren't going to have the money to pay him to bring him back. So I think it was smart. I like, uh, you know, I'm going to give him a win. Not a big win by any means, but a win nonetheless, you know, picking up a quality backup point guard. Yeah, I like what the Wizards – I mean, the Wizards didn't have any picks, uh, but they did end up getting – they trading for Tim Frazier, like you said. And I like Tim Frazier – and they're going to need a little more than that. It would have been nice for them to pick up something. I like the Wizards as a team, um, and they don't – I guess they don't – It's. A, I got to say it's a loss because <laughs> they didn't even try, basically, to go get somebody. But they did trade to get Tim Frazier. And I guess if you use that and consider that a lottery – not a lottery pick, but a, a draft pick, then I guess it's a win in that regard. Yeah, especially for the number 52 pick. So, um, exactly. yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting to see what the Wizards do. I honestly think they should um, offer Mahimne 
Mahimney, whatever the fuck his name is, to the Bulls and some draft consideration to try and get Robin Lopez away from them. Because I think plugging in Robin Lopez on that lineup and could give a lot of energy to it, um, I think that would be a good move for them. Um, But I think the Bulls are going to try and get the best offer they can get. Um, All right, guys. Well, thanks for joining us again. Joel, as always, is a pleasure, my friend. Uh, We'll catch you all next week, same time, 9 o'clock on Sunday. Uh, Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Peace, guys. Peace. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.